Hello and welcome to the Happier at Work podcast with your host, Aoife O'Brien. The podcast for anyone who wants to be happier at work. We spend so much of our time at work. Everyone deserves to be happier at work. In today's episode of the Happier at Work podcast, I speak with Bettina Otnefjotl from Women's Career Lift, all about how to sell and market yourself in the workplace how to improve your performance, make sure that you get the recognition that you deserve. And some of the tips that we discuss can be applied in any aspect of life or even if you're running your own business. So enjoy today's podcast. Welcome Bettina to the Happier at Work podcast. Would you like to give listeners a little bit about your background? Thanks so much for having me on. I'm very excited to be here. Uh, I'm Bettina Otnafjattel. I am Austrian. I worked um, many, many years in different industries and eight years of which I was a team manager. And uh, during this time as a team manager, I made a lot of experience with um, male and female employees and noticed, you know, how differently female employees present themselves both in the hiring process, but also in performance reviews or just in the day-to-day business. So this is why about one year ago, I started uh, my own side business um, where I provide women's career coaching. Fantastic. And it's really about, um, you know, it capitalizing I suppose on the difference you see in how men and women approach their careers so do you want to talk to us a little bit more about what you noticed the difference is between men and women Mm -hmm. so um, first of all it's already starting in the hiring process so what I noticed is that um, women seem to always apply for jobs where they fulfill 80 to 100 percent of the requirements Um, Basically, men, they apply for jobs where they probably don't fulfill the requirements yet, but they can grow into. And I noticed that many women tend to play it safe. Of course, I mean, it's not all women are like that and all men are like that. But I noticed this tendency that um, when I get applications from women, they really fit very, very well. And then when I used to get applications from men, they were maybe not exactly spot on, but they were just giving it a try. This is basically the first thing that I noticed. Um, And I think this is probably related to many women um, just, you know, wanting to play it safe and maybe also lacking a little bit in confidence in their abilities and in their strengths. And therefore, they're just, you know, go for the easy the easier way yeah so there is there is a real difference and I've heard that statistic before about the difference between you know if a, if a job is advertised and a man has like let's say six out of the ten criteria he'll go for it whereas a woman will question herself if she only has eight out of the ten criteria she wonders am I good enough to put myself forward for this position so it's it's really interesting that it's you know it's you can see it playing out in your own life as well And what do you think is it that drives women to want to play it safe? Where does this all come from? Mm, It's a good question. I think it's, you know, on the one hand, I think many women, um, you know, they don't like to come across as, uh, you know, arrogant or full of themselves. So they just go for the things that they know they can do because they don't want to... um, you know, appear uh, like they are 
better than others or, you know, just um, trying to, you know, be too ambitious, let's say it like that. Yeah, yeah. But it's it's strange. It seems to, and you know, it seems to be like a kind of a, a global phenomenon where men are okay with being like that and for some reason women are not yeah i know it's it's really weird and i noticed this i mean across international teams i worked with many international team members but i especially noticed it here um when i moved back to austria uh, where i've now worked for like four years um that especially here um, women tend to you know just play it safe and then maybe look ahead to oh I will have children at some point anyway so why should I go for a risky job um, you know I don't want to put myself in a place where maybe I'm very busy or I need to travel a lot or work long hours. So they're kind of thinking ahead to a point in time which may or may not happen that they will eventually have children and they're kind of they're playing it safe so that in order to protect the family the, you know the future family I suppose where they're they don't want to travel too much because they want to be around for their kids exactly I think this is one of the the tendencies this I, that I see a lot you know both amongst my friends but also amongst you know the team members I had a team a couple of years ago with a lot of female employees and they were all you know not really going for development or for, um, you know, a typical career, let's say, but they were just looking for a safe job and um, a safe environment where they then could maybe take uh, parental leave and have kids and so on. Mm-hmm. And I think this is a, is one of the main differences because what I see is that a lot of men, while they also like you know, safe jobs, they're a little bit more open to experimenting and, you know, trying their strengths and, you know, yeah, just figuring out what they can do. Yeah, wonderful. And if this is the current state, do you think it's realistic that people will change? (laughs) Good question. Well, um, I think that uh, it will help a lot of women to realize that this is like some kind of automated reaction that we have, you know, that we just look for safety. So, um, and to just be aware that it is not a requirement to have like 80 or 100% of the requirements fulfilled when you apply for a job. Because I mean, the whole purpose of a job description is to describe the ideal candidate. And the ideal candidate is really hard to find. (laughs) If you're a hiring manager and you're looking for a person, it's very rare that you will find someone who really ticks all the boxes. So I think it will help a lot of women to just, you know, realize that you do not have to be perfect all the time. You just, you know, need to do your best and be interested in personal growth and personal development all the time. Yeah, great. Well, I mean, that kind of leads on to my next question about like, what are the specific steps that women especially can take in order to overcome these issues? Um, One thing that I noticed uh, with a lot of my clients, but also with my employees is that um, we women often uh, don't quite realize um, what our achievements are or, you know, like if we have uh, some special qualities, because um, a lot of things, they come so easy to us, then we think, 
oh, this is not really worth mentioning, you know. Um, I It's kind of embarrassing to talk about this. Uh, whereas a lot of men, they will do much more self-marketing. So they will talk about smaller achievements where we go, <laughs> what is he talking about? I mean, this is such a small task. But um, in the end, really, um, this is what it is all about. And this is, you know, self-marketing, selling yourself. Um, you can only do that when you're aware of what your uh, achievements and your strengths really are. So that would be like kind of step number one. And in terms of then like, and I know I, yeah, I suffer from this myself, it's really understanding what are our achievements and what does that say about us in terms of our skills and us as, as people. Um, what would be, you know, once we understand what those are, what would then be the, the kind of next steps to move us, to propel us in our career? So one thing that I tell my clients always when they prepare their job applications is that they really need to highlight special achievements. For example, I once had a client um, who had some special scholarships while she was at university and she just put them at the end of the resume. Um, this is something that you need to put on the top because if you apply somewhere and the company wants the best candidate possible, everything that sets you apart from the masses is very, very important. So recognizing, you know, what your specialties or your special achievements are and then don't, not being afraid to highlight them, you know. So this is the first step um, that you need to take in the job in the job application process. Then when you are already in a job, um, there is a lot of self-marketing that you need to do. And uh, this is something that I think a lot of women uh, struggle with. I actually um, just uh, recently spoke about this also in a networking event in our women's network, um, that it's so important to do self-marketing. And that means, you know, not being the person in the room who always yells, yeah, look at me, I'm the best, I'm so great. That's not self-marketing. That's just, you know, being annoying. <laughs> <laughs> but um, self-marketing is basically that you need to make a positive impression. And you cannot expect um, that your manager will just see your great performance. I think many women just rely on the managers to recognize that they are doing a good job. But if you as a manager have, let's say, 15 or 20 employees, you really do not have the time to look in detail into what each of your employees is doing. So you need to make sure that you update your manager about what you do and, you know, that you add value, that you're present in meetings, um, Tell them about achievements and there we're not talking about like the big things, but just, you know, bring your manager good news because managers already have enough problems in their lives. <laughs> they have all the, you know, issues and escalations to solve all day, running from one meeting to the next. So they are really happy um, if they get some good news. And if you do this over a longer period of time, if you're like constantly on your manager's mind, then um, this really will help you 
further down the line. It will help you for your performance review. It will help you for any upcoming salary negotiations, um, anything really uh, when you want to promote your career and move ahead. So it's really about making it as easy as possible for your manager to see the great work that you're doing. Um, that could be some feedback that you've got from a client or you finished a particularly tricky project that you were working on or something like that, just so that they're aware. Exactly. This is it. So I always tell uh, my colleagues or also my employees, um, you know, collect positive feedback from your colleagues, from your customers, from your suppliers, whoever. Just collect positive feedback. Yeah. And then also... Um, you know, prepare yourself. If you have a meeting with your manager, um, prepare the things that you want to discuss and prepare, you know, what kind of achievements you actually uh, accomplished. So this um, can also be that um, during the whole year, you make kind of a list where you write down everything that you achieved. Like maybe you completed the whole project, but maybe it was just that, you sent out an order a day earlier than it was expected to or something like that. So um, these are all achievements and they can all make a difference, you know, to how your manager perceives you. So I think it's really important to be prepared and collect these examples because usually at the end of the year, you probably don't remember what you did in January. And then how can you expect your manager to remember what you did back then? Yeah, no, that's true. I remember um, in the last job that I had that we, someone said to me, I think it was when we were doing the first reviews because we had to fill out our own performance reviews before the manager would review it. So like we talked about all the great things that we did in the role. But someone advised me at that time to make a note at the end of every month, make some time to reflect on the past month and say, well, what did I achieve this month? What, what went really, really well? That I can talk about and just build up kind of a log at that stage on a monthly basis of all of the things because like you say come you know the the end of the year when you're starting to think about your performance and your performance reviews specifically that you don't really remember what January was even like let alone what the achieve what achievements you had in that time exactly I mean sometimes I don't even remember what I did last week at work so um, how am I going to remember what each of my team members did half a year ago so this is why it's so important for women to understand that they need to take their careers in their own hands really and be kind of in the driving seat and you know be on the manager's minds because you know they're they all have short memories. We all have short memories. And it's so important to just always be there in a positive way, of course. So like just talking about things that work out or add value, add a different perspective, show interest. I like this whole concept of being in the driving seat. Um, like I would equate that to being the CEO of your own career. So you might not be the CEO of the company, but if you take responsibility for being the CEO of your own career, then that gives you a huge level of responsibility to manage that career properly. Exactly. I mean, this is what it's all about. And I think this is what many um, people, and I mean, this applies both for men, women and men, of course, um, do not realize, you know, they are in a job, maybe they are not so happy with um, their current task or the team or whatever, um, but they don't really make a change, you know, they're kind of floating along in this state of, I'm not really happy, but it's not so bad that I really have to make a change. And they're just, 
not really taking the initiative to look for a better or like a happier job, you know. Yeah, that's so true. And I've met so many people like that, you know, whether random strangers that are telling me about it, whether it's clients who are sort of saying that they want to make a change, but they're not really sure what steps to take to make that change or friends as well who are in these situations that they complain about but then they just say oh no it's okay I think I can handle it or I'm going to stick this out for the time being and see if anything changes or I'm happy enough for now when you know really they're not actually that happy in their job at all. Exactly and I mean this is also something that I noticed a lot in teams which are um you know, which have a lot of women in them, that there is a tendency to do a lot of chatting and talking and complaining, but not really the tendency to take action. And I mean, I also was in teams, you know, and I spent time with colleagues who were not the most positive people. And I realized that you just get kind of dragged down, you know, Um you kind of lose all the motivation and the enthusiasm for for your job and then you also feel like in this kind of place where you cannot really influence anything you know and this is where i would like to get women out of you know just be active and take action it's so funny i can relate to that so much because i've been in that place where i used to go for lunch with two of my colleagues and do nothing but complain about my job. And I kept complaining and complaining and complaining, but not actually doing anything about it. And the best thing that ever happened to me was those two other colleagues leaving. So one was on a contract, so she left. And the other was uh, she found another job, so she left. And it meant that I couldn't go for lunch with those people anymore and complain about my job. And I actually had to finally start doing something about it. But the fact that I wasn't complaining anymore made my work life so much happier as well. And I realized it's it's this self-perpetuating thing that if you complain about something, you're kind of reliving it and it's making it worse and worse. Whereas by not complaining about it, I got the opportunity to actually enjoy my job a lot more. Exactly. And I mean, there's one more factor that I think not many people are aware, but if you are complaining a lot, this will spread around, you know, yeah. people will like your manager will know that you complain a lot and complainers are not the most favorite employees, <laughs> let's say like that. So if, you know, there would be a promotion coming up or whatever, a new position, um, maybe they will not consider you because you're this negative person and they want somebody who's motivated and positive. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's that's so true that, the, you know, um, you know, it's just this, they want someone who's, yeah, like you say, who's really positive about the work environment. And it's, you know, I'm so aware and so passionate about creating work environments that are much, much happier, which is, you know, hence the title of the podcast, Happier at Work. Um, but it is, you know, it starts from the top and, and creating that great environment, but also really getting the point across that gossip and complaining is not tolerated in the workplace so if you're kind of gossiping with other people uh, if you're um, isolating people if you're bullying people that it's it actually won't be tolerated and the same as complaining about the job and 
getting that point across to employees that if you have a problem, you need to take some action. You need to actually do something about it. Exactly. I mean, you can always sit and wait for things to happen, but most likely they will not change because you're the only one who can make a change to your life and to your career. And this also applies to, for example, if you want to get a promotion, um, this is something that you need to talk about. You need to talk about that to your boss. You need to talk about what you want for your career and what you want for your development. You cannot just sit there and then hope that your boss will read your mind and figure out that you would really like to be this or that. You know, I mean, how are they going to know? Nobody can read minds. That's exactly it. So I really like what you said there about, you know, just talking. So taking responsibility. So first of all, being the CEO of your own career. So taking responsibility for yourself, taking the actions that need to happen in order to develop that career, but then telling other people, namely your boss, this is what I see for my career. And this is this is the role that the job I have right now plays in that grander picture of what I'm trying to achieve um, and this is how the company can support me in, in achieving that. Exactly. And an important factor is as well to gain visibility. And I think this is um, something that many women struggle with because they don't want to be in the spotlight or they feel embarrassed, as we said before, about talking about things that seem so easy and so on. Um, but it's so important to gain visibility. And that means also, you know, to be in meetings where um, your boss's bosses or, you know, like members of the higher management uh, get exposure to those people. Uh, and if you manage to get into a project where you have this exposure, then you don't need to, you know, be the one who says, oh, I'm the best, you know, because you will just be doing your job, but to an, you will have an audience who, just, who will see your performance and they will experience that and these are this is the audience that will help you you know um, getting to the next level because if they don't know you if the boss if your boss doesn't know you um, it's going to be probably difficult to get the next job because even if your boss maybe supports your application or you know thinks that you would be the right person if your boss's boss has somebody else in mind it's going to be hard for your boss to persuade him. So it's so important to really seek exposure to the right people as well. Yeah. And that's that's something that was kind of, I won't say beaten into me, but it, it was something certainly when I lived in London that it, it was, you know, very kind of topical. Getting exposure to those senior leaders and having visibility at that level was really, really important. And like you say, it doesn't have to be that you're promoting yourself to these people. It can be as simple as keeping your boss informed of all of the great feedback you're getting from clients, of the great projects that you're working on, the feedback that you're getting from your colleagues, how great you are to work with, just really showing them. But that trickles upwards as well so that they have the ammunition, for want of a better word, to speak to their boss about what great a job you're doing. And you're kind of getting that exposure, but it's in an it's an, in a non-obvious and an understated way. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. yeah, no, that's certainly something that's, you know, that I've always been very aware of. And I think um, even when when companies are 
are advertising jobs that's something that they should get across that if if there's the opportunity to get this type of exposure to senior leaders in within the business then that could be a real key selling point for the position yes absolutely i think a lot of companies are still in the mindset that you know uh, job seekers are kind of beggars for a job and they have kind of the uh, authority to say oh, I want you and I don't want you and so on but nowadays I mean um, I think pretty much everywhere um, good workers are scarce and it's really really hard to find good employees so um, it's also something that they should you know change in the way they post jobs yeah definitely yeah I mean I could probably talk all day about how how jobs are advertised <laughs> on, on a separate note um but I mean in Ireland we're, we're at a situation now where it's almost full employment so it's you know it it's I suppose it's quite favorable for employees at the moment that I won't say they have their their pick of jobs because it's you know it's not like that and there still is unemployment and that exists because I you know I work with uh, unemployed people uh, on a voluntary basis which is really really rewarding in itself but you know so I can see firsthand the struggles that that people who are unemployed have but it is a situation of almost full employment here in Ireland I don't know is that similar in Austria yes it's very similar it it depends a bit of the area so there are some areas where you have of course um, more also interesting jobs and more qualified people Um, I mean city versus countryside and so on but yeah overall it's the same yeah yeah we often get that you know that kind of divide um where they talk about dublin and some of the other big bigger cities in ireland versus the the kind of countryside which well it tends to be sort of dublin and and the rest of ireland a lot of the time which um which is not really you know it's not really fair great so in terms of visibility then what what else can people do um you know kind of beyond what we've mentioned already the visibility the taking responsibility for their own careers what else can they do well, uh, one important part is also how you deal with mistakes. Okay. Um, I've seen this before that, um, you know, people either like to hush up if they make a mistake or they get really defensive. And I mean, yes, it's a natural reaction that we have, you know, um, but it's not the best way to deal with it. Uh, the best way is really to, you know, take a step back and say, yeah, okay, this didn't go well. Look at what was it that didn't go well. Identify why it went wrong. And then um, see this as an opportunity to learn. So try to figure out what you can do differently the next time uh, instead of just getting defensive and then um, blaming yourself for it. Just take the time to look at it and yeah, try to figure out what you can learn from that. I mean, this is so important. Uh, And I think very few people realize this. Um, Mistakes or failures are just there for you to learn and to grow from. But of course, if you do not learn from them, then you will (laughs) repeat the same mistake again and again. That's it. Yeah. So, I mean, to me, it comes back to this value of responsibility. So taking responsibility for your own career, but then taking responsibility for the actions that you've taken and any mistakes that you have made. And like you say, Bettina, you know, learning, really learning from those. Um, I read a really interesting blog post on LinkedIn the other day 
where the guy spoke about how important it is to learn from your mistakes but not only that he was in a in um he was unemployed for a long time I think it might have been nine months and he kind of changed his tack on in terms of how he was looking for jobs and how he came across in interviews as well when he drew upon the learnings that he had so you know in a, in, a, in a typical interview situation you talk about how wonderful you are and all of the great things that you've achieved and people tend to shy away from speaking about any mistakes that they've made but if you if you sort of flip it and think of a way to use your mistakes as to demonstrate everything that you've learned because I would much rather find someone who has learned a lot because of all the mistakes that they've made rather than hire someone who has never made any mistakes and therefore is kind of caught up in this bubble of everything I do is okay and that they've never they've never had the opportunity to to do anything different and what would actually happen if a person who was in this situation did make a mistake you know, you, you don't know what yeah. would happen then. You don't know how they will react and that's a risk for the business. And I mean, honestly, there's no person in this world who never made a mistake. So yeah. I, I've seen this before, you know, in, in interviews, when you ask uh, the people, you know, uh, tell me about your mistakes and tell me about your weaknesses and so on. And then they say, oh, I, I cannot think about anything and so on. Yeah, probably you cannot think about anything in that moment, but that's why you should prepare for such a situation. You should prepare for a job interview and you should be prepared to give examples because the examples will show how you solve such a situation, how you deal with your weakness. And your future employer needs to understand that it's not going to hinder your work, you know. I mean, yes, we all have weaknesses, we all do, but um, we need to find a way how to deal with them so that they do not, um, you know, make it impossible to do our job. Yeah, yeah. Now, I, I, I mean, I've seen it firsthand with people I've worked with where, you know, on occasion, people just don't accept responsibility for mistakes that they've made. They They just don't own it. They don't, they just don't do anything about it. And I've seen other cases where, they'll blame external circumstances or they'll blame other people or I didn't get this done because and they'll make up an excuse when Mm -hmm. the reality is if they just owned their own situation and their contribution to it then it would have been a much more favorable scenario exactly yeah this is what many people need to realize you know that yeah you just need to take responsibility and think about you know be be reflective about the things that you experience and I mean this is both about the good things and about the things that probably not so good I mean also if you're doing really well at something I mean take the time and think why did it go so well you know and this is also something that you can use very well if you go to a job interview because um, many companies now ask uh, what you call behavioral based interview questions so they will ask you about concrete examples um, of situations and then they will ask you to describe a situation you know for example a, a project that you handled well so if you have before thought about a concrete example and what actually was it that you did well what was your contribution um, then it will make it so much easier to show them the way you work and why you are the right person for the job Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. No, like the competency based interview questions, behavioral style interview questions, although, you know, the interview 
it's quite difficult to to kind of gauge how someone is actually going to be on the job through an interview. It's only based on what they're telling you, I suppose. Um, but I really liked what you ha- what you said about reflecting. So allowing ourselves that time to reflect after a project is completed or whether it's at the end of the day or the end of the week, just allowing ourselves that time to think about, well, what went well and what went not so well? And what can I learn from what went well? And what can I learn from what went not so well? You know, what would I do differently if I had my time again? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Great. And so are there any other tips that you'd like to share with listeners? Well, there's one topic, of course, which is very important for women as well. I think we're all aware of the pay gap. Um, And what I noticed is that I mean, of course, there are many studies about the reasons and so on, and I'm not going to go there, but um, I want to share my personal experience. You know, what I noticed is that um, women often don't even try to negotiate. When I was hiring for uh, my team and I had male and female uh, applicants, the male applicants, first of all, asked for like 10 or 15 percent more as a starting salary than the female ones. And then the female ones, you know, if you said something lower, they didn't even try to negotiate, you know. Um, I mean, it always depends a little bit on the situation, right? I mean, um, it depends on the size of the company, if they can really pay you a high salary or not. I mean, if they're just a startup, it will probably be difficult for them to hire uh, an employee at all, you know, Uh, and then it will be difficult to pay maybe the salary that you would want. Um, On the other hand, um, you know, it's also a matter of not taking the first offer. Um, If you're in a position where you have a job, and you're just looking for something new, then you really have the choice and you don't have to take the first offer. And usually, and it's also something that I suggest to people is, you know, apply for a couple of jobs, like not 50 or something, but let's say three or four jobs where you really fit the profile and so that you have a really a good choice of jobs because then you also have a bit of leverage. You can say, you know, I have this other offer that's what they offer me. Um, if you want me, this is it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's there's a couple of things I want to pick up on there. Um, there was another time, um, uh, I think very early in my career, I wasn't, I'm not generally driven by money. Money is not a, a huge driver of motivation or anything. I need enough money to, to live on and to have a, you know, a, a comfortable lifestyle. But generally speaking, I'm not hugely motivated by money. Um, and very early in my career, I, I think I kind of noticed that. Now, I, I moved jobs at one stage and I moved countries as well. And uh, they asked me, so I, I guess we got to a stage where it was maybe second round interview where it's appropriate to start drilling into, well, how much actually is the salary for this role? And I think they turned it back to me then and said, well, how much, how much would you like? And I gave a, a, a range of figures. So I said, well, from I was thinking between this and this. And of course, they went with a lower amount, you know, and I didn't really uh, I didn't really question it at the time. Yeah, I mean, uh, offering a range is always a bit difficult. Um, the important thing is that you have a range in your mind, right? I mean, uh, you need to know what is your minimum 
And if they do not offer you that, you need to be ready to walk away. Yeah. Yeah, which is difficult, of course, if you're unemployed, then you might need to take whatever you can get. But um, if you are in a comfortable position that you have a job and you're just looking for a new one, really don't take the first thing. I see this often with my clients, but also, you know, with friends and family, you know, you're kind of so keen to make a change that then the first thing that comes across is like, okay, but at least it's a different company or at least it's this, at least it's that. So um, you talk yourself into it, but it's not necessarily the best thing for your career. That was the, the other thing I wanted to pick up on, Bettina, was so salary is one thing, It's I suppose, but it's only one element of the entire job offer. And while it is important, you touched on the point there, you need to understand what's what's the minimum, like at what point are you going to walk away? If they offer you less than this amount, then by by your rights, you're just going to, to walk away from that situation. Um, but it, it's, it's considering the other factors that are really important in terms of, you know, I'm obsessed with this whole idea of fit and fitting in in the workplace. So it's, it's the values that a company has and the behaviours that are demonstrated in the workplace and how they as an organisation can satisfy your needs as an individual, you know, whether that's through growth or development or learning or recognition or exposure, like we said, to senior leaders within the within the organisation. So all of these other factors need to be considered when you're offered a job as well. Yes, and that's why it's very, very important if you go to a job interview that you really also ask questions. Because, I mean, many people, I think, see job interviews like exams and you're going to go there and they're going to ask you a lot of questions and you have to give the right answers and then they will tell you yes or no. But that's not what a job interview is about, right? I mean... I like to think about job interviews a little bit like a date. It's a chance to get to know each other, you know? I mean, of course, the company needs to get to know you because they need to figure out if you're a good fit for the team and for the company. But you also need to figure out if the company is a good fit for you. Exactly, exactly. I mean, you're not going to find that out. And then, you know, the best paying job will make you unhappy if the team is bad or the boss is bad. So you can ask a lot of questions about company culture and how they handle situations, how they deal with things, you know, how they communicate. Um, is it very hierarchical or, you know, is, is are there flat hierarchies? Um, how are decisions taken? Uh, I was once asked by an uh, applicant um, how I manage a team. And in the first moment, I was like, what is she asking? Um, but it's a very, very good question. I mean, you want to know what your boss is going to be like, right? So you should also ask these kind of things, you know, yeah. find out who they are. Uh, and very important also, um, don't play a role. I, I've noticed this also in, in job interviews that, Sometimes people, you know, they have this very professional persona or they just, you know, prepare themselves for a specific thing that is typical for this company, you know, so that they really, really fit in. And then you think, oh, this is the perfect candidate. And then you hire them. And then three months down the line, you realize this is a completely different person. Yeah. Because you cannot keep it up. So you don't. You cannot really 
um, play a role because you cannot keep it up. So what I always tell people is, you know, be authentic and be yourself and don't try to, you know, come across as the super tough person if you're not or as the super communicative person if you're not, you know. I mean, there are different profiles for different jobs and it will also make you unhappy if you try to uh, fit into a job that really doesn't fit your personality. So that's wonderful. Thanks so much, Bettina, for for all of your insights around that. Um, no, really, really, really enjoyed our chat. So the question I ask for everyone who comes on to this podcast is what makes you happier at work? For me personally, it's working in an international environment. I just love it, you know, to work with people from different countries, from different backgrounds, who are open-minded. I love to work with people who are, you know, self-driven. I love to be in a dynamic environment where things change, where it doesn't get boring. Fantastic. Brilliant. And if people want to reach out to you, how will they get in touch? So uh, I have a website, which is uh, womenscareerlift.com and also an Instagram account at womenscareerlift. These are the best ways. You can also find me on LinkedIn, but my last name is spelled very differently from what it's pronounced and it's a complicated name. So I recommend you go via my website or my Instagram. Wonderful. Thanks so much. It was great having you on. Thanks so much for having me. That was Bettina Atnefjotl from Women's Career Lift. And I wanted to touch on some of the points that were made uh, during our conversation. When it comes to job applications, it's really important to highlight any of your special achievements. And I think generally in the day to day, it's really important to remember the achievements that you've had to date because it's so easy to move on to the next challenge that you forget to take time to reflect on what you've actually achieved so far. Once you're in a job already, it's about making it easy for your manager. So one of the things that Bettina said was bring your manager good news. It's about bringing the positive feedback that you're getting, whether that's from clients, from any of the projects that you worked on, whether it's from your colleagues, for example, as well. Also, when you have a meeting with your manager, show up prepared and manage how your manager perceives you. You need to be in the driving seat. You need to be the CEO of your own career. When it comes to being not happy in work, don't just sit there and not do anything about it. It's about making a positive change and sitting around and chatting and complaining and not taking any action is not going to lead to change. Be open and talk to your boss about what you want for your career. In order to get better visibility within the workplace, be in meetings with senior managers, get onto projects with, with, that have a senior audience exposure as well. When it comes to making mistakes, and let's face it, we all make mistakes, it's about not blaming others. And so it is about accepting responsibility, of really owning it. Identify why it went wrong. And then you can learn from it and be open to talking about these things, whether it's with a boss or in a job interview situation. Be open to talking about the learnings that you have and use examples of what you've learned. Take time to reflect after individual projects. Build in that time into your work week to reflect on what's going well, what's not going so well and what you can actually learn from it. 
We touched on as well the gender pay gap and a lot of this is to do with women not negotiating. So accepting the first offer that's made and not negotiating at all, whereas men tend to negotiate a little bit harder. Be really clear about what your number is. What's the minimum that you're willing to accept? And if it's anything lower, be brave enough to walk away from that. The last thing I wanted to touch on was about being authentic when it comes to job interviews, especially be authentic, be your authentic self. Don't play a role because really it's about finding a good fit, a good match between yourself and the company that you're going to be working for. The company is trying to find a good match for them, but you need to equally make sure that you find a good match for you. And that comes from asking questions. Be really clear about what it is that you're looking for what kind of organisation you want to work for and ask those questions in the interview. If you'd like to reach out to me, you can do so through my website, empowermentcoaching.ie. I also run a Facebook group called Happier at Work, which relates to the podcast. And hopefully I'll see you there. Well, there you have it. Thanks for listening to the Happier at Work podcast with Aoife O'Brien. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button. And don't forget to rate and review the podcast.